When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Again, fellow basement dwellers, this is your good friend Patrick O'Dowd welcoming you into another edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Bandwagon Nerds is, of course, brought to you by TheChairShot.com. Sorry, part of the ChairShot Radio Network on TheChairShot.com, where we remind you to always use your head. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Or something like that. Like, the tagline's there. You all know where to find us. We're easy to find. And you love us. You love us so much that you go over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash ChairShot and invest in ChairShot shirts. Or at least we'd like you to. And if you buy a Bandwagon Nerd shirt, remember, we will thank you publicly on these internet airwaves. I am joined with a smaller bandwagon. By a smaller bandwagon. I'm back, by the way. I was gone last week. I uh, was bowling for dollars. And I won zero dollars. I said this on Hockey Talk when recording Hockey Talk, which, spoiler alert, you'll hear tomorrow, even though we recorded before we record Bandwagon Nerds, I pulled the curtain entirely back. Zero dollars. Zero dollars. I finished 47th out of, I didn't finish last, but I certainly didn't finish first. And and as Ricky Bobby would say, if you ain't first, you're last. So we'll just, we'll live with that shame. Very much so. I wasn't going to win anyway. There was a dude who shot a 225 and then back-to-back 300 games. You say the dude? No, a, a dude. dude abides. Oh, a dude. I thought the, the dude. The, the dude's a the boy, dude so was, you can see my confusion. I could. And the dude um, was not there. Uh, 
maybe somebody got a white Russian or two. I don't know, but it wasn't me. I was too busy being sad at how poorly I bowled. I started off well too. Like I shot like a two eleven. was like, all right, you know, I'm working on a new approach, new shot. So I thought I had something and then it was, it was all downhill. It's just all downhill. Sad for me. Anyway, we're not, we're, we're not here to talk about it. I am joined by David Ungar, the lawyer. I am joined by Mr. Saturday night, PC Tunney. You heard both voice. Well, you've heard at least PC Tunney's voice. Uh, Dave may have been blown away at this point. I'm not sure if he's actually still here. This could just be a projected image. Are you a hologram? I'm a facsimile. I'm a facsimile. It's all a right. A facsimile. Yeah. Is your house still rooted to the ground? The Will house? you be heading to Oz and crushing a witch? I, you know, that's that would be a unique Sunday afternoon, that's for sure. But no, the house is still standing. The backyard, not so much. But uh, I do little, love the I love DJ's there, response, Tony. Is that good golfing weather? Not exactly. No. <laughs> what, no. What, what if the wind is at your back? Then you get then, you one of those long drive contests. That's right. But then you've got to come back in the other way and hit a uh, towering hundred yard driver. I. So this will be really quick, but I have played uh, up at Whistling Straits, and the last time I did, we played at the end of October, because that's when we could go, and it was 44 degrees out, and there were 30 mile an hour winds, and one of the holes is directly uphill, it was directly into the wind, I usually drive the ball about 275, 280, give or take a little, and this ball went about 110 yards, it just kept climbing, it went even came down. back a little. Came back a little bit on the way down. I've played that hole on the game, Tony. I know what you're talking about. That's a bitch. I can't imagine doing that for real. I have no frame of reference. I don't. I, I mean, that, and that's, that's about and all that's, that. And that's your golf and weather together. Back to you, Patrick. That's right. All right. Thank you. Oh, uh, we do have quite a show today. We are going to wrap up the first half of season two uh, of Invincible. Uh, episode four was a good one. Was a good one. It was a doozy. A lot of stuff happened. Big cliffhanger at the end of that episode. We're going to head into an interesting trailer park where I was torn on one of the trailers because I almost made it its own like topic of conversation after the second break. Uh, I, I instead left it in the trailer park. And we'll, we'll get to that there. And then we have some uh, some news. We're, we're, we're making our way to Oscar season. So there's not really like a ton of... Uh, coming and, and once the oscars come maybe when are the oscars that that's tony you were asking about a show we got to do an oscar show why like how do we not do an oscars show like we got to figure it out we got to do it the sunday before we would record it though because if we record it on the day of the oscars then our predictions would come after the oscars have already taken place and we just we look stupid so we need to do that for the march 4th episode that would air march 4th because it is sunday the 10th Okay, so or what, or we could do a you know I'm not I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to get I don't want to I don't want to take a mile I don't want to take a mile never mind yeah we could do a special and so, do it put it out Sunday morning oh jeez yeah I know. Right, yeah, yeah that's why I said never mind never mind no no but yeah you gonna do you gonna do it you gonna do it at your little breakfast nook while you're, while you're sitting there <laughs> I can't doing your pancakes right there do you want me to go over there and record today <laughs> I mean Ed, and that that makes for some good ambient sound. I don't know if it'll make for great podcasting, but we'll have to see there. But uh, yeah, so we we do have a little bit of news. We're going to talk a, a, a sad loss uh, in the entertainment industry that that happened just recently, and a little bit of what you're watching. Uh, so not the heaviest of shows this week, though. That is kind of typical 
of where we are in the entertainment calendar. But we do have a show. We do have a show to cover. We have a, a first half of season two to discuss Invincible. Gentlemen, you did a fine job, by the way, uh, covering episode three so well that I skipped it because I didn't watch the episode um, until yesterday of episode three. And then I watched episode four. I was bowling. What? What was in the tournament? I was busy losing a bowling tournament. (laughs) But I skipped your part. I skipped that part of the podcast. So I'm sure it was amazing. I see. That's that's why it was so good. That's why it was so good. Yeah. I have quibbles with the podcast, by the way. I just... Yeah, you know, well, putting, you know, putting trailers for the second season yeah. of shows you haven't seen yet and then trying to talk about it and make up what you think happened on the show was a delight to me as I was like, well, that's not right. Well, that's wrong. No, Dave, you guys clearly have never watched an episode of The Bad Batch. We admitted that so, on the on the podcast. So, you know, Patrick, we, even, we even said, I no, wish Patrick whatever. was here on three whatever. different occasions. What do you care? Bowling is obviously more important to you anyway. I, I make mo- I make money if I'm successful at bowling. I don't make money when I'm successful at podcasting. Oh, oh, I mean, talk, clearly to your best, I, talk to your best friend. I, you know, he. I've tried. I've tried. That's that's like speaking to a wall. Like we know that. Everybody <laughs> knows him. that. Everybody hates we Greg. Greg. We love Greg. No, we don't. Nobody likes Greg. Everybody hates. Greg. I love all you guys. Right. Greg's too busy uh, sending rock gifts to everybody right now. That's 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 what he's going. There's your little wrestling tidbit for today. As uh, yeah. He's really all about the so much. Right Let's just can I just can I just say this? It has been a glorious um, few weeks uh, for wrestling podcasters lately. So oh yeah, there's been there's been plenty of content, a lot of content uh, yeah. out there for for you all to listen to and enjoy. All right, let's get into this last episode of season two uh, of the first half of season two of Invincible because you know we leave episode three where Mark has jumped on this ship with this alien bug who's like, we're in, we're in danger. There's asteroids coming to destroy our planet. He arrives at this planet. The, the insect is more and more elusive in the conversation as to what's actually going on. And he's like, all will be revealed when you reach, I think he called them the alpha Tarac- or something like Taraxis, that. Or, I think. Eh, who cares? Nobody cares. No one cares. Uh, is the bug. The bug planet. Bug planet uh, where he's like, you know, all be revealed when we talk to we when you speak to like our alpha or our monarch or whatever they calls him. And of course, it's Omni Man. It's Dad. There he is, and that's the cliffhanger, of course, that we that we are left with. And we spend the majority of episode four with Mark and his father, starting with some issues. Uh, we we do get a look into the psyche of Omni Man from the conclusion of season one when he flies off as to what he was going through as he clearly was thoroughly confused as to what what he was experiencing and feeling before randomly coming across a ship in danger and rescuing these bug people uh, on this ship doing doing some superhero shit and um, apparently he likes he likes him some insects because. He, he, he met himself, he got his antennas crossed a little bit with a lady insect, and the next thing you know, we have now not one Viltrumite spawn, but two, which Bark learns he now has a baby brother that is part of this insect species. And, you know, it's a very credit to Stephen Yen, as he is 
playing Mark with all these different emotions that he's wrestling with. Like he misses his dad. So he hugs him. He hates his dad for the way he talks about his mom and nearly destroying the planet. Yet he, he, he can't forgive his dad for what he's doing or, or what he's done. He, he also can't forgive his dad for moving on. Yet dad hasn't really moved on. He's still very angry and confused. It's, it's just a lot of emotions going on. And we, through all of this, learn, though, that while the planet isn't in danger, Traxxas isn't in danger from some impending meteor swarm, it is in danger from the Viltrumites because Omni-Man has broken their laws by uh, reproducing with the natives of not just one, but two planets. And the Viltrumites will seek them out, determine whether or not those uh, creatures are worthy of being having Viltrumite blood, requiring them to either fight and join the Viltrumite cause after a successful victory in battle or exterminating the weak, which is what Omni-Man feels will happen to Mark's half-brother, the little purple baby, uh, Bugspot. I just, what was was the baby hatched from an egg? We don't know that. We don't know. These are the questions I have. Uh, And so that's, that's the opening of the episode before we even get to the arrival of the Viltrumites and you know and then there's Eve going through some shit. We we gotta get we, we gotta get to that. Mark's mom makes a, a monumental decision. So but let's start with let's start with Mark and his father. Dave, your thoughts on on what you saw out of Mark and his father and this conflicted reunion. Uh at the beginning where they're hugging each other, I thought we were going to get a, a Christian cage, Adam Copeland moment where they hug each other and he goes, go fuck yourself. You know, that would, we got close. We got close. Oh, um, uh, look, Dave made a wrestling reference during the pop culture podcast. It's, hey. it's a very, Welcome back. a very complex relationship, obviously for all the reasons you said, Mark is highly conflicted as to what he's supposed to be feeling. What am I supposed to feel? Am I supposed to hate this guy? He's my dad. I love this guy. And he's, He's very reluctantly thrust into the middle of this whole thing. Um, but, you know, he's 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 Mark at his core and Mark at his core is a very good, very sensitive, caring individual. And he's got all this resentment towards you hooked up with this bug. You you know, mom's going through all this shit and yet you've moved on. And and then he comes to realize that this brother of his is very innocent in this whole thing. And, and so you get to see that. So, yeah, it's it's I, I don't know, man, it's it's a tough one because he does miss his dad and he does love his father and he hates his father at the same time for killing thousands of people, uh, betraying his mom, betraying him. So I thought it's a very layered nuanced sort of thing. I loved the relationship between them because you do get to see all of Mark's emotions the whole time. And you get to see a side of Omni man that you realize that, okay, maybe he is not just this linear piece of shit that we all thought he was. He's very, he's got a lot of emotions. He's conflicted. He's, you know, flying aimlessly through the universe. And then, like you said, Patty rescues this ship of Taraxans who's about to crash into a sun. And then, you know, there he is, he's off and running. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, you kind of saw that, you, you know, that, you know, there, it's not the end of Mark and Omni man's relationship. And, um, and you got to see that. And then where it ends up at the end of this whole thing is very, <laughs> The sins we'll of the get, fa- We're going to get to that. We're, save, we're saving that for thing, the last. Right? We're saving that for last. Hold that thought. You did. You did both your Dave things during the during the episode recap in in, in one fell swoop. You got them both out of the way. You jumped way ahead. 
and you'd made a wrestling reference reference. So there you go. You you hit your you hit your bullet points. Tunny, the father son reunion. How did you react? I, I'm sorry, Dave. I love you. I do. I know you're you're experiencing a windstorm right now. You got other things on your mind. I think Dave, Dave hit it on the head and you see it right in the initial meeting between the two of them. Mark didn't know whether to go at him or hug him and he hugged him. Um, and as far as that goes, I think over this episode, which was an awesome episode, best episode of the season so far, not that any of them were bad, just, this was my favorite one. Um, he learned that no matter what he does, he's going to be connected to this problem that's going to follow him everywhere. So he needs to figure out what's the best usage of the tools around him to I do what he think is right because he doesn't want to kill. He, and we learned that. And he learned that if he wants to be truly invincible, he needs to fight with the killer edge to him. Otherwise he'll never be as strong as he possibly could be. So I think that was a few things we learned. Um, who's the other girl, uh, superpower that uh, Adam Eve, right? Yeah. Eve. Yeah. Yeah. So she continues to struggle by, you know, she gets mad and, fights with this dude all around the city and these people look like they may end up dying because she couldn't save them because she kind of got caught off track there. So just a bunch of different things going on. Is there a separate series that's in there on prime as well? Is that what that is? What prequel. is that? It's, a, it's, it's a prequel. It's episode. like a prequel episode. Oh, okay. I did start okay. watching it and then this windstorm in a row. I was going to say that for what you watching, but it's, it's Eve's origin yeah. story. It's, um, about halfway through, it's really good. It does, when you watch that right after this episode, it will give you a bigger context of who she is and why she is. Right. And her, and her very conflicted relationship with her family as she does, you know, that episode ends with her going home again. And yeah. then the other thing that I think outside of Mark and him learning all these things, not only about himself and his situation, but his mom cuts ties 100% and says, you know, I don't need the money. I don't want to feel like we, we feel like we owe you when we take that money. And I don't want to feel like that anymore. And then kind of the, the, the big connectivity would be, we see the books that end up being talked about. So we'll save that then. We'll save that then. Right. So, the dogs agree. The dogs know the books. The books are the key, apparently. Yeah, the, dog, the, dog, the dogs read the books. And um, just a couple of other things that, that did happen out there. Uh, obviously, there's some, you know, you talked about Eve. Eve is feeling really disconnected and lost right now, too. Like, that's the other thing I think is really important to pay attention to. Like, she was looking for Mark, can't find Mark uh, because they've, they've always had this bond. And, and for anybody who's read the comics, you know where those two eventually end up. Uh, but, like, she goes and she, she finds Amber Oh yeah. Um, and, um, Amber, you know, and Amber and, um, Oh God, the best friend. I'm going to forget the best friend's name. We did this last week. William. Yeah. Will. it's Will. Yeah. 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 Amber and Will, they're like, Oh no, he went off planet. Like they knew where he was, but he didn't bother to tell Eve. Uh, and so there's, you know, kind of feeling left out, disconnected. She kind of takes all those emotions out on arm cannon. Um, a couple of other little things that they threw into this episode before we get to the second half of what was going on in Thraxis and the big ending there. Like you talked about Debbie telling uh, Cecil, you know, I want nothing else to do with you after having a conversation with Art. Art, of course, voiced by the great Mark Hamill and uh, saying no, um, you know, telling her that she she's the one who really kept that family going, not the other way around. I thought that was that was really huge and really is what propelled her to step away. And who's the guy with the glasses? Because he Donald. found We're out. We're going to get to that. I'm about to, I'm about to, sorry. Sorry. About to talk bad. about Donald. I'm sorry. No. I'm sorry. Uh, 
because there's two other there's two other little things. That's right. The dictator is back. He will tell you when to speak. I just uh, want to say, though, for people that don't know, when Patrick just said, oh, yeah, kind of out of nowhere, I was making the universal finger in handhole for sex. And Patrick didn't even get mad at me. He just he just brushed, kept going right along and gave me a good. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> that is the thing that should happen if they follow the comics. Anyhow, um, the other two big things, because nothing's ever an accident in these episodes. Right. And the first you brought up Donald, who has been like, something's wrong here. Because we saw Donald blow up in season one. And so why is Donald back? And so Donald starts being like, why am I back? And he actually sees the surveillance footage of him sacrificing himself to the point where he then goes and he stabs himself in the arm to see if he's like human. And at first he's relieved, but then he looks at the knife because he bleeds and his blood is red. But when he looks at the knife, the knife is bent at the tip. So he is not like he, he doesn't know who he is. That's going to be important. We just know. It, right. So like they want to give you the idea that he stabbed himself. And when the blade hit bone, it bent. Right. Or something. Bent. Yeah. Right. <sighs> well, I, yeah. And I think the fact that you've got the Maulers back in this episode and the cloning uh, going on. That would be the other part of what I was going to no, talk I, about in a second. I Watch. think they're related, though, because I mean, it makes me think that Donald's a clone. And and they he's an enhanced clone or something like that. Clone or an alien. The thing I love about the Maulers, by the way, is they, they just continue to tell the same story over and over and over again. They just one one kills the other, then makes a clone, thinks that the original clone, and then that clone kills him. And it's the circle of life for like 30 seconds. I'm like, oh, King Mauler, we're going to finally like be able. No, 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 we're not going to be able to solve a party again. We're back. The mystery will be back. It'll be fun. And you won't be able to take either Mahler at their word. Kevin Michael Richardson has kind of the best voice job in, in that he gets to be the voice of Mahler because it seems like he will never die ever, which is kind of the charm of the character, if you ask me. Uh, and, the, and those two, they're, they're OGs. They've been here since like day one. And they just they just keep on, keep on, keep it on, keep on replicating themselves until the end of time. All right. So then we get to the back half of the episode and what's going on in Thraxis. And sure enough, Omni-Man is like, look, the Viltrumite people are going to come. They're going to come for this planet. They're going to lay waste to it. They're going to kill my ear. They're going to kill your brother. And the only way to protect them is if the two of us fight together. And we can start by getting, like, I can start by training you. Literally, he says that. And of course, three Viltrumites show up and we get just an all-out slugfest battle. You have Mark, not wanting to fight like a Viltrumite, not wanting to kill anybody, which is very costly. Uh, Omni-Man goes off and runs roughshod over two of the three that comes. He leaves one for dead with his guts spilled out while going after and fighting another one. And I can't, and I'm not going to remember who is who or which is which. So uh, forgive me. Uh, but we, we reach a point where Mark is in imminent danger of being killed Omni-Man kills the guy that he has been battling, then turns around and rips into half of a woman of, of the woman Viltrumite's face, kills her quite gorily. Just when you think it's safe, the dude whose guts he spilled out just decimates Omni-Man from behind, leaves him for dead while finally dying. Mark passes out. When he comes to, there is a Viltrumite ship taking Omni-Man onto it, 
while somebody remains and basically tells Mark that he has proven himself worthy of his Viltrumite blood, that they wish for him to continue to prepare Earth for their imminent arrival and invasion slash takeover. And basically that if Mark doesn't do this, it will result in thousands upon thousands of lives being killed as opposed to if Mark helps assimilate them more peacefully. And Mark is left at a crossroads on Thraxis, or what's left of Thraxis, as we end the first half of this season. Huge, huge developments to set up the second half of season two, which is very exciting. Yeah, I couldn't agree Comments. more. Oh, it's it's great. It, it's, it's, it's fun. I'm glad we waited to start watching this. I'm glad I didn't watch it already, because now I only have to wait three weeks to start watching it again. Uh, so that's... Well, it's a little closer than it would have been if I'd have watched it right where it came out. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Uh, it's interesting. I think Omni-Man, they wanted to make it sound like his back was broken there, I think. Um, yeah. And then Mark, Mark could have stopped all of this from happening if he would have just kept that killer instinct and taken the kill shot on uh, Ponytail Blade Girl. Um, then they wouldn't have been surprised by Black Guts hanging out guy um, because, you know, white, white bulging eyeballs guy was already dead. So... I think we, we know their names. It's not a problem. It's close enough. I think we've learned. Um, I mean, I'm on board. We've learned that uh, disembowelment is not fatal in the Invincible universe because we've seen that a couple of weeks in a row now. <laughs> uh, At least not right away. Not not, not right immediately away. fatal. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a it's a hell of a cliffhanger when you get to the end and this guy's basically saying you're going to take over your father's post. You are not going to abandon this thing like he did. He's going to be executed. And either you take a few lives or we take millions. And yeah, like you're saying, Mark's left at a crossroads as to what, what am I supposed to do here? And, you know, go back, subjugate the planet, my friends, everybody I love. And if I don't, yeah, who's going to stop these guys? So, but like Tony's saying, Mark needs to develop that killer instinct problem is if he develops that killer instinct doesn't he start to go down the path of these alternate universes where he and his father have subjugated the entire universe so he's marks in a no-win situation at this point and and, and I mean, no matter that is, is the fate he's trying to avoid it, it is but he keeps it's it's inevitable right almost there's an air of an inevitability and we talked about it earlier he is continuously the father paying for the or the son paying for the sins of the father you see that time and time again in this series and here's the ultimate at the end of this thing you now have to take his place or else and yeah that's uh i, I mean you know <laughs> it's it's uh it's not good any way you look at it so yeah it's a tremendous episode great cliffhanger makes me wish that march 14th was here already so we could get back into it well it'll be here before you know It'll it'll be very exciting. Um, I, I I have a question I need to go back and ask from um, episode three because again I didn't listen to what you guys said. Uh, I was one crushed that Optimus Prime betrayed Alan and it is the it is the Viltrumite mole. Prime. That's right. Peter Cullen is the voice of Thaddeus. Yeah, he, yeah. he didn't even try to hide it. He didn't even try to pretend like it was any other voice. He used his Optimus Prime voice for it Thaddeus. Works. It works for the It does work. But does Alan die that time? We're led to it's, believe, but we don't see. We, I think so. I think him apologizing for pulling the plug makes it makes it that he's dead. We queried the same thing last week, and I think the consensus was we thought he was dead that time. He did flatline out uh, after he turned off the machine, and there's nobody to plug it back in. So it'd be great if he somehow survived, but I kind of think no. I'm with Tony on this one. Know. Hopefully I'm wrong again. 
He's a fun character. He was awesome. I don't want to be especially right. after they especially after they like introduced his, you know, his partner and what's that? I said I don't want to be wrong. <laughs> what about what about Donald having likes, yeah. having Cecil's password? That was kind of interesting, you know, because he's got high security oh, yeah. clearance and hmm, what else can he get into? I want to see a a, cl- a just a, sh- a strew of Donald clones like at some point get released and they follow him out and he's just been holding them for a while, you know. Right. Well, I mean, we'll have to we'll have to see, I suppose. Um, it'll be very interesting to see how it all turns out. Yeah, how does all right. man get out of this one? I don't know. Stay tuned to your same Amazon Prime channel. His his son will save him. You got to figure. I'm sure he will. Um. Okay, so that's going to close the book. We got a couple of weeks off uh, from shows, uh, folks. We'll surprise you next week with what's going to happen because, frankly. I've sort of thought about what to do in this interim. I got a couple of ideas. I'm going to bounce them off the rest of this group uh, before we make a decision. And so you'll know uh, when we know, uh, which probably next week. It'll be very exciting. But don't worry. We'll have something fun for you all to do. Uh, oh, I, actually, I'll float it. I, 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 got, I, I got a thought. So we'll, we'll have to see. Um, but we will we will give you that thought. What we are going to give you, though, is a commercial break because it is time to take a commercial break. When we come back, we're going to jump right into the trailer park because it is February trailer season, which means horror movie trailer season. Tony's favorite time of year. We're going to listen to him speak joyfully about horror movie trailers when we come back. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the ChairShot Radio Network, part of the ChairShot.com. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. This is your news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. Got robbed of Kenny's voice, Tony. What what happened? Kenny's voice cut out like halfway through the commercial for like 10 seconds. Oh, that's because I accidentally muted my microphone and apparently Uh, that I I could still hear it on my recording. So whatever. We love you, Kenny Killer. I'm pretty and, sure these. Uh, if only, if only you posted the show. Yeah, I'm pretty sure <laughs> the twenty, only. the twenty-seven re- listeners have heard Kenny before, so it's it's all right. Yeah, it's it's the same commercial every week, folks. I Greg, bet you we get an ad. Fix Patrick's password, damn it! <laughs> it's Greg's gimmick. I will say it's this. His gimmick now. It, to Greg's credit, it's not for a lack of trying, guys. It really isn't. I, I wish I could say that it was like. I don't care about results, damn it. <laughs> all right, well. I'm done. I'm done. I'm just kidding. He's 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 doing he's got enough going on. So all right, we are jumping into the trailer park, but before we do that, of course, we have to play some of that beautiful banjo, and it can't be PC Tunny. So Dave, play that beautiful banjo.
See, this is my faith that the recording is going to work on Dave's end because Tony could have played a banjo. I could have had Tony play a banjo, but I am trusting that this is going to get done. I can tell you that by the end of this show, you're either going to have uh, Dave with internet and a uh, soundbite full BWN, or you're going to have PC without soundbite and BWN. You're going to have PC Tunny going well, well, publish. Here's here's the funny thing: is if PC Tunny is without soundbite BWN, Patrick O'Dowd also records the show. Like I still record it. I will have a recording of the show. I can transfer you a file. Like, oh, that's possible. I- I'm saying I'm not editing anything if I have to post it. That's what I meant. Tony's version of editing is to hit the publish button. That's that's it. (laughs) I get you. Do you at least least put the commercial breaks in the right spot? I I hope. I find dead spaces. Well, now you definitely have a dead space in a killer killer commercial. You can start it, play the commercial, and resume it. It'd be great. All right. Sixth Sense. I see dead spaces. Amateur, amateur podcasting 101, oh, make it sound as bad as possible. I don't know. Here's it. Okay. While, while I'm on this topic, there are so many, what I would say, professional and reputable podcasts that I listen to that don't know how to do a fucking commercial break. Well, at all. So, like, whoever their producer is, or what, like, I'm talking like people with producers, like people who get paid to oh, put these things in the right and spot. It's, and it's yeah. terrible. Well, no, and I hear it all the time on different podcasts. No, but when I'm recording and I'm playing sound and I go in to put the ad breaks in on right. our host site, I can see my, I can see where my commercials are, right. right? I get somebody else's audio. I can't read it like that and I don't have time. So you get the best dead space I can find. And to be honest with you, sometimes it's better to get in the middle of a conversation and have people wait 30 seconds to come back to it. Sometimes it's not. But sometimes it is. Podcasting 101 brought likes, to you by the Chairshot Radio Network. I mean, kids, if somebody likes the structure of a show, like, I, I give you the pause. Like, I give you the break. Like, you could use this. You could use that right there. Oh, this is, you're, you're, there's a difference between I could do it. Yes, obviously. It's does not going to happen. You better hope Dave's power stays on. Let's just put it that way if you want banjo. <laughs> All right, all right. Well, let's get into this trailer park. I'm just kidding. We only actually only, we actually only have two horror trailers today but february is the land of horror movie trailers february is the land of horror movie releases these are titles that frankly couldn't be released during halloween because they weren't good enough to bring in the box office of other horror titles we got two we're going to start with one that our good friend ray cash shared with us in the chat uh and it's only a teaser it's a one minute long teaser trailer for a movie called in a violent nature and it's a slasher film, but what's unique about this slasher film, based on everything we've heard, is that it is told from the perspective of the murderer. And the trailer itself, the trailer itself shows you next to nothing. It shows you a lake. It shows you a body floating up from the depths of said lake. And it shows you a creepy dude holding two hooks. And that's it. That's it. It's a teaser. When we get a full trailer, I think we'll probably talk about the full trailer because I want to see how the trailer is told like how the trailer is going to be used to tell the story of the movie because this isn't a perspective you typically see in horror like you don't see a slasher film told from the perspective of you know jason Voorhees or michael myers or freddy krueger necessarily so or leatherface like any of the great slashers so i'm i'm intrigued i don't know that i'm intrigued enough to see the movie but i think it is a 
unique idea on a popular genre. And I think that is worthy of taking a look. So we'll go to our resident horror movie fan, PC Tunney. Regardless, I know we, you know, we all know how you feel. What do you think of the concept of this film? No, it was a, it was a great teaser trailer. Like to just go, Hey, listen, we're going to put a few quotes from some reputable people that have seen this already. Um, and give you some cool music and a couple of cuts, a couple of cut shots from different parts. I would imagine that the actual trailer doesn't give you much more either. Um, it might just show you how they're going to use that perspective because while I'm not the biggest horror fan, the, the, the general horror direction would be to follow the one being stalked, not the one doing the stalking. Correct. Yeah. So I think a lot of this will be in that. I mean, I'd love to see a lot of it on the first person side, especially they said amazing kills, right? So like you're going to, you're not going to be seeing it coming at you. You're going to be seeing that happening to somebody else, I think. And it should be interesting. It's, um, it's one of those things in horror, though, to me, where if it adds so much suspense and is thrillerish and isn't just jump scares and darkness and devils, I kind of like that a little bit. So we'll see where this gets reviewed for me. I, I don't put it on the automatic uh, no-fly zone. Wow, that's wow. I, honestly like for that's a big deal, bandwagoners. Like if Tony is saying, I, I'm just saying, like we know what it is that that you tend to go for. This is definitely not something. Horror is not you're not something you go for. You and DP made that very clear last week on on the podcast as well. So, like uh, that that enough is almost enough for me to be like, you know what, I gotta watch it. Dave, what did you think of this teaser? I mean, the fact that Tunney is not wiping his ass with it immediately is is shocking. Now I gotta, now I gotta watch this, and we're gonna review it. And yeah. I totally fuck committed That's myself. It. You've committed. You got to watch it in Square X or whatever the hell it's called, Storm X. Stormfront X, I don't know, 4X. Um, yeah, the the trailer was like, there's not a lot to it, but like you guys are saying, it is a, a entirely different concept. It's and I, and I like the uh the analogy you drew, Pat. It's like, yeah, let's let's look at the story from like the eyes of like Michael Myers, from this from the eyes of Jason Voorhees or or you know Son of Sam, Unabomber, anything like that, to see what makes you know what are they thinking, what are they feeling, what is their motivation. I mean. Yeah, I don't know if any movies really kind of done that. I mean, like Rob Zombie's kind of Halloween remake, remake kind of came close-ish to that sort of thing. But um, yeah, I I, I think it, it looks good. The critics seem to be really high on it, and it, it is a different sort of horror movie. So I'm interested. And if Tony doesn't hate it, I'm doubly interested. <laughs> that is that is one way to look at it. So. Yeah, uh, more to come on that. And like I said, I hope we get a trailer. Like, I hope we get a full-on trailer that does tell us a little bit more. Um, let's move into a movie that I don't think any of us are going to watch, and this is just going to be straight-up terrible. Like, I'm just going to say it. Uh, we got a trailer for a... No, this is... The reason I put this trailer in, because I just heard the listener like, why the hell did you put this trailer in, and why are you going to talk about it if you think it's going to be terrible? Because this is the definition of horror movies in February that get released. Tarot. The trailer for this upcoming flick, Tarot, which is about a haunted deck of tarot cards where it's just here. Here's the thing is, one, I'm just trying to figure out what uh, and I'm going to forget this guy's name. But the dude who plays Ned in um, in the Spider-Man films, uh, Peter Parker's best friend, he's in this movie. Like, I think that's him in this movie. Oh, 
this looks like a bunch of 20-somethings who go up in an attic, find something they shouldn't, and unleash unspeakable horrors. This time in the form of a tarot card deck where it appears that the different faces of the tarot cards come to life to murder you because that's what they are, a bunch of murder bots that are going to destroy you. So, um, but when, when you look at when you look at February in bad horror movie February, this is what gets released. And here's why these films get released at this time. Because it's such a dead time for films, you can release something like this. It's not an expensive movie to make. Horror films are universally known as inexpensive to make. And they um, they make a lot of money for the budget that they cost to make. And so this movie will be bad. It will be reviewed poorly. It won't really get watched much at the box office. It'll still turn a profit. It will probably get tarot too. Uh, Tunny, I know you're not a fan of uh, of horror films, but find the line what I just said. Uh, to, to to your point, it made it onto this show right now. Um, so right. there you go. Um, yeah, this is the kind of one that I was talking about when I said, you know, I, I'm not interested. It's basically just the same thing where instead of going A, B, C, D, E, F, G, they went A, B, C, D, E, G, F. Yeah, I just flipped one of those letters around. So, Dave, you'll be at the theater seeing this in 4X, I know. Uh, so no. let us know. I won't be it's seeing it in X. Damn it. Screen X. I won't be seeing it on X videos, let alone anything else, because this no, there's I agree with Tony on this one. This is very formulaic. This is very a very paint by the numbers ish horror movie for this time of year. Um, You know, haunted tarot. I mean, tarot cards are, are notoriously problematic. It's like another Ouija board movie or anything like that. So it's just like, all right, what are we doing here? We got. We got the bad people from the tarot cars coming to life, terrorizing people, um, motion detectors and vans. And it's, no, it's, it, there's nothing. It's to this Ouija, one. It's yeah. Ouija meets Jumanji meets tarot. It, it is it, like, a, yeah, it is. It is just like you're saying, Tony. It is just a very generic vanilla type of movie for this time of year. The special effects don't even look that good. So I'm like, all right, sure. For somebody else, maybe. But you're like, like you're saying. It won't cost a lot to make. It'll more than break even. It'll probably make a profit, which is more than you can say for like the Marvels or something like that. So, hey, what can you say, right? Uh, not much. Not much. This looks this looks like a movie that'll make money. Uh, people will watch it. You know, you know it, make, it'll, it'll be, be a success it. because of that, right? I mean, honestly. There's an audience out there, though, that believes in psychic readings and tarot cards and are horror fans. So there is a niche for it. Oh, yeah. It's going it's going to like I said, it's going to it's going to make its money. Uh, I just like I said, I just find it really, 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 really interesting um, that that these always come out like these consistently come out. They get they get they get put out here. They make their money uh, and then they'll be on a streaming service within two months. Um, and, and people, and that's where it'll get its second, it'll get its second win. Like it'll show up on like Max or something and people watch it there too. So, all right, enough of that because David's man crush is making like a million movies. All right. So he's got Argyle in the theaters right nothing now. Nothing else Henry to Cavill, do, Pat. Jeez. That's right. He's got nothing else to do. So Henry Cavill, uh, out there in Argyle, I'm assuming it won the box office this week because nothing else was out, but we got a trailer for a film I was going to skip. And it was like, but I kind of like this title, and it has Henry Cavill, and it's got Guy Ritchie tied to it, so let's check it out. It's a movie called The Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare. 
And this film is allegedly based on true events, inspired by true events. Uh, looks like it is a special, it is supposed to be the story of the first special forces mission from the British Empire, led by a ragtag team of rule uh, a ragtag team of rule breakers led by one Henry Cavill heading in to help fight the Nazis and prevent England from falling to the regime. I got a lot of Inglorious Bastard vibes out of this uh, Quentin Tarantino's flick. I'm not sure how close or accurate it's going to be to whatever this story is based on. I have not done a lot of research, but I, I'm not going to lie. Carrie Elways and Henry Cavill having conversations about ungentlemanly warfare. Looked, it looked fun. Looked fun and interesting, you know, for a World War II flick. Hey, you go first this time. I've been, I've been making tonny talk about like talk about all the horror movies you 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 talk about this what did you think of your boy henry cavill did you did you pop wood Dude, did it get you excited honestly i wasn't sure it was him until they, <laughs> until i saw the credits like oh it is him okay it kind of looked you like you didn't him. like the beard the beard well, was too much the beard and and he looked you, a little you don't you don't like a you he looked a little slimmed like down for this one he wasn't you know as 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 maxed out as he normally is oh. but yeah, so I'm disappointed. No, um, Every, everyone, you hear that? Dave, Dave likes some buff and clean shaven. That's right. So that's make right. sure you get just, yourself waxed up before like, you go hit on Big like Daddy me Dave. And PC Tunny, buff and clean shaven. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, this looks this looks fun. I mean, it, it's kind of hard to throw a comedic take on the first SS mission, but I applaud them for trying. And I I think from what I saw, it, it looks it looks like a good movie. It looks like something that could be fun the title is a little off-putting because it's so damn long <laughs> it's like it's a very unwieldy wow. title it yes. is it is very difficult it is it is a mouthful in, in the most you know non any kind of way sort of thing so um yeah maybe i mean it's very guy richie it's it, very guy richie yes. like with the long title and the action sequences and but like i said am i off on the inglorious bastards sort of no. vibes though no it felt like okay that. I, I got i got, I got Tony, that same feeling Tony, what did you think of this trailer, bro? Brah? I, lo- I loved it. I-, I can't wait to watch this movie, to be honest with you. Um, I got more of a uh, The Kingsman meets Expendables is set in the Nazi World War, whatever. Um, but I mean, as far as Guy Ritchie, you know, Snatch, Lockstock, Two Smoking Barrels are two of my favorite movies ever. Um, so, yeah, I'm totally in for this one. It looks clever. It looks fun. And there's some there's a there's a solid cast. So, you know, count me in. Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the cast itself. Yeah, I think looks really great. And it's going to be a, it's going to be a good deal for all. I'm always like I know you're a big Guy Ritchie fan. We talked about Guy Ritchie a couple episodes ago. I want to say um, there was another movie teaser, we did a trailer. Yeah. For a series. Yeah, he's got a series coming. So Guy yeah. Ritchie's also very, very, very busy guy. Uh, but I don't know. Yeah, it just looks fun. I don't know if it'll be a theater. I don't know if it'll be a theater stop for me. Uh, but it'll definitely be something that I check out. What will be a theater? Oh no, sorry, got ahead of myself. See, I pulled the Dave. I jumped to the end. Got to, got to get to this one. Netflix put out a video where basically they were like, "Hey, here's all the shit we're giving you in 2024." And boy, are they giving you a lot, giving us a lot of shit in 2024. Uh, the the name of the video was called "Next on Netflix," and I mean, you got you got glimpses of a ton of stuff off the top of my head. Second season of Squid Game, which, by the way, did you two ever check out Squid Game? I watched the uh, game show Squid Game. You should watch the series Squid Game. It is a yeah. very, very good series. It yeah. is a thriller. And I, 
and I can't even say I don't, and I can't even say I've never watched a Japanese subtitled movie before either because Great. if you've never seen you can, Midnight Diner, you can, right? yeah, you you can watch them. It's okay. Squid Game is is phenomenal. Very taut, tense thriller of a show. Um, you get a glimpse of Arcane, Bridgerton, Avatar. The Last Airbender, which, by the way, you guys no idea about anything to do with one of the biggest animated series on television for five years. Which we admitted. Uh, Thank God there wasn't a Rebel Moon Part this week, 2. Um, yeah, there's, oh, sorry. You're, you're going to be there for Rebel uh, Moon Part 2, right, Pat? Opening night, you'll be there. I'll I'll watch it just him so that DJ. I can hate on it. Him and like, DJ will be eating popcorn, uh, holding hands. They'll yeah. be yeah, handcuffed with three handcuffs. You get a glimpse into that Pop Tart movie that's coming out, dude. Uh, yes, Jerry Seinfeld. Unfrosted, I mean, unfrosted. The Pop Tart story is the name. Oh of hell that. yeah! Can we review Beverly that? Beverly Hot Beverly Hills Cops at Axel F. Um, it was just a ton of shit, like so much stuff that I couldn't really like. This is why this this is the trailer, by the way. That almost was its own topic because I almost wanted to be like dissect this and break this down. Like what, like Jennifer Lopez is doing something. Um, like oh, that looks so opened, like the worst thing. Like, is it like Atlas or something? yeah? But it was like in there. So, so Dave, what did you glean from this monster other than Rebel Moon, which everybody's going to watch and hate because it's Zack <laughs> Snyder? He's trash. <laughs> Um, the, the finales of, I think three series and I don't remember the middle one, but, uh, Cobra Kai season six, you know, we got the first Cobra Kai, little yep. teeny glimpse of that. We got a little teeny glimpse of umbrella Academy final season. Um, and I forget the other show that that's ending, but yeah, lots of things that are kind of debuting in, and Netflix continues to just leverage themselves. I mean, we had about a year and a half ago, we kind of wrote them off and we were yep. wrong because they have come back with a massive vengeance. Um, you know, and that's just 2024 and we know what's coming in 2025 with them, at least on one front. So yeah, Netflix has a lot you of, can, great... you can talk about the wrestling thing in that, that regard. Well, I, I you know, I don't just, blame I'm them. Just shaking your chin no, right I don't blame really them for not it. showing raw coming in 2025 right now is a good time to just kind of distance right. yourself from that oh. and, and not, and not touch that until you have to, um, even if it is a big get, but, um, yeah, I mean, Netflix has got no shortage of tremendous stuff. I think I shared with Tunney, we got full swing coming back in a few couple weeks. I'm very excited for golfers to see that whole dynamic. I can't wait for the live PGA merger episode. That'll be that'll be it to be a fly on the wall. Oh, we're going to cover that. So, uh, yeah, Netflix has got no shortage of just really quality stuff coming out on all fronts. And it's going to be an exciting year to be a Netflix subscriber. Tunney, anything catch your eye in that? rapid fire trailer of of information uh back in action jamie fox and cameron diaz looks like it could be an interesting oh uh, yeah yeah i saw that one um carry on looks like an interesting one taryn edgerton uh directed by uh colette sarah I, I i don't know that that's a jason bateman one with the bomb uh damn yeah, yeah i have the list here in front of me damsel is also there there's a hitman movie um some of the shows, Three Body Problem, I haven't checked out, but it looks great. It's you about a young trailer for that a couple weeks ago, right? Nineteen sixties. Yeah, right. that's the one with uh, Benedict Wong, where we talked about how Wongers was kind of heavily teased as being more in that show than he might actually be. Uh, American am I, Prime Evil, American Prime Evil. Um, but here's the thing: Black Doves is another one I think that was supposed to be really good. 
I'm surprised. I thought for sure when I seen Cobra Kai, uh, um, I'm like, oh, this is why it's in here. Patrick's like, boom, we got to get the Cobra Kai in there, which a lot of people are waiting for that. It's last season, right? Um, yeah. But I'm I have a bone. To, I will I will go full old out and I have a bone to pick with this trailer. Um, we are getting this year another season of somebody feed Phil and it did not make the trailer. And I am extremely disappointed. I'm heartbroken and, uh, and just really hurt. Well, there you have it, everybody. We're mostly happy. Tony's got a bone to pick. He adjusted his glasses. No list. He'll be all right. He'll be all right. Um, all right. Now let's get to the trailer. I have to keep watching like the little O'Dowd. Very, very hyped for this next movie. Uh, Ghostbusters Frozen Empire released a full trailer in which the nostalgia was just on overdrive with this film as we got so many Ghostbusters one characters in this trailer that that I'm sure every fan like you want to we got you know we got um what's that name what's his first name Peck what Peck's first name is I can't ever remember what his first name is Elliot um, is Elliot Elliot Peck, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, who cares? Nobody cares. It doesn't matter. Peck's in there. Janine Melnitz is back. You know, Bill Murray's back. He's suited up. Dan Aykroyd's running around. Everybody just that you could want. Slimer is back. We got the miniature Stay Puft Marshmallows. They're back. Walter. It's Walter Peck, um, I do believe, is uh, is the name. No, it's That's Gunther. 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 Yeah, they no, changed no, it to Gunther. Walter. No, Gunther stop Peck. It. Stop Gunther it. Peck. Stop it, I both of you. Fun. Both I got one. You, you, you each had one. They, mom. It's because you know where it goes. You know where it takes it. You know what it does. You little shit. Stir the shit. Start it all up. If you were a gif. You'd be like little like dude stirring a cauldron up. Anyway, um, the, the the trailer itself doesn't tell you anything particularly new about the uh about the movie like it's still the same story there's this ghost that scares people to death there might be where you know we might be in the danger of a new ice age and only the ghostbusters can stop it there's a contraption that holds it um that seems to be that seems to be a part of it uh but i i can't wait i'm in i'm excited uh dave i'm sure is in tony are you who who are you gonna call are you gonna call paul rudd by the way doing the quote words from the song as lines um, I shouldn't have popped for that, but I kind of did. Like, it was kind of dumb, but I still. I, I, very I Michael, it's very Michael Keaton and the other guys uh, quoting TLC throughout the movie. Um, it works. Right. I, it really this did. Ghostbusters has a winning formula, and the winning formula is the original is iconic, classic, uh, blockbuster, and a cult following at the same time. Um, if you can continue to get great talent in Hollywood like Paul Rudd to continue the story and come up with a script. That's just not God awful, which they haven't really. They've never really had a God awful script for all these secondary ghostbusters movies. And then you can continue to feed on the nostalgia. Like you said, all the people that are in the movie, um, this will always make money. These movies will be made 20, 30 years from now. And someone else will pick it up after this. And Paul Rudd will be the old guy. So, Ghostbusters is just iconic, timeless, classic, and 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 winning formula. Winning Slimer. formula, indeed. Slimer. Slimer. I mean, come on. Slimer. Yeah. Um, the librarian. They brought the librarian back. There you go. I. All right, go ahead. Go ahead. 
No, they think this thing's great. And like you're saying, nostalgia heavy. Anybody who's still alive is in this movie. And they even rec- they even reference Egon as, you know, these are his kids. So, you know, Harold Ramis gets a, a nod as well in here, even though he can't be with us. Um, but yeah, it looks it looks tremendous. It looks like a really good follow up to Afterlife. Paul Rudd's fantastic. Um, I love the kid who plays Mike from Stranger Things getting slimed and he just sits there and nods and all he says, yep. And and that's how the trailer ends. But yeah, it looks it looks a little this trailer as opposed to the teaser, a little bit darker, um, you know, a little bit more serious in certain places when the nostalgia is not kicking you in the in the head, you know, that sort of thing. But it's um, I agree with Tony. Ghostbusters has a really good formula. They know what works. Um, it's the balancing of nostalgia and pushing this forward. That's the trick. And if they can do that as well as they did in Afterlife, then this will be very successful and the franchise will has legs going forward. Absolutely. So I do have one question. Tony said everybody's back. Not everybody's back. Will Dana Barrett ever return? Oh, yeah, that's true. Uh, Frozen Empire. Will we see Sigourney Weaver in Frozen Empire? That would be really cool, but I doubt it. I haven't heard anything about her being interested in any of this. Have you? Rick Rick Moranis? Yeah, that would be fun, too. He's just now sort of back into acting off and on just a very, very little bit. Moranis was the key master? Or the gatekeeper. Yes. Does it matter? Yes. He was the, exactly. He was, yes. he was the. He was the key master. Okay, then they should have him at like some ace true value, and he's making keys for them for their new building or something, and that's like the joke, right? Like he's a key master, but it's you know it's not the same. But he's you know, or Sigourney Weaver is I mean, like letting him through the parking structure with the thing going up and down. Who knows? Yeah, maybe I. I don't know. That's the only. Those are the only two notable names though, like out of that core cast that that haven't come back. So. We'll we'll have to see, and you will all see with us because I I'm going to see this in the theater. I know I'm going to see this in the theater. There's no way the little O'Dowd's going to When's make me come out not anyway? let me see this in the theater. If it's in 3D, I'll go. Why wouldn't it be in 3D? I don't know. I'm just well. Uh, get why, why are you so anti? C. It's okay. C, it's okay to have two dimensions. C D C U. All right. On that note, we're going to head out of the trailer part. We're going to take our second commercial break. When we come back. We're going to talk a little bit of news around the Nerdosphere. Uh, we got a little bit of casting news in the DC universe. We have March, the most unsurpri- March twenty second, very soon. We have, we have the most unsurprising piece of uh, possible news coming out of the Madam Web film. All of that and more when we come back. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, part of the Chairshot.com. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save ten percent on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code Chairshot. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Welcome back, everyone, to Bandwagon Nerds here on the ChairShot Radio Network, part of the ChairShot.com. Bandwagon Nerds desperately wants you to buy a t-shirt from prowrestlingtees.com forward slash ChairShot. Because if you do, and you buy that Bandwagon Nerds shirt, not only will I not fuck up rolling into the pro wrestling tees um, ad, but we'll thank you publicly on the show and I'll do it correctly. I won't boo you. Uh, I won't mute you because I'd be muting myself. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm not going to let a stranger on the show. Um, PC unless Tony it's one of us. Like one of us buys our own shirt. PC no, Tony will personally no, show up at your no, house with a banjo. No, 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 no. Chris Platt is the one that shows up at your house. In a Platt Bull ass 2020 shirt. 
Who's <laughs> never mind. Go keep going. Hurry up before I say that something. Was, that was a little funny. That was a little funny. Come on. That was a little funny. That was um, good. All right. Let's talk about the most unsurprising news that, that we could pro- probably expect to get. Um, to say that there that the early returns on the upcoming Sony Spider-Verse film, Madam Web, are less than exciting, I, I think is a mild understatement. And sometimes an actor says a thing, it just, it doesn't help. And that happened this week when Dakota Johnson, in an interview with Entertainment Weekly, was talking about the filming of the film, uh, filming of the movie. And, it, and she talked about how she had never worked with blue screens for special effects before. And, well, I'm just going to read the quote. I'm just going to read the quote. Uh, I've never really done a movie where you are on a blue screen and there's a fake explosion going off and someone's going, explosion! And you act like there's an explosion, Johnson said. That, to me, was absolutely psychotic. I was like, I don't know if this is going to be good at all. I hope that I did an okay job. But I trusted Clarkson, that would be the director, Noting that she regularly checked in with the director throughout the shoot, she worked so hard and she has not taken her eyes off this movie since we started. Guys, true or not true, it's just not something you say in an interview about a movie that's coming out. Am am I wrong here, Dave? Am, Am I wrong? Tell me you've never done a movie with special effects without saying you've never done a movie with special effects. Really, I, when you come out and say... I've never been in front of a blue screen and you're talking about a movie that's clearly going to be heavily influenced by CGI. Yeah. I, what in the literal fuck? I I mean, I knew this movie was going to be bad. I think we all suspected it. Pat, I still applaud you for trying to hold out hope when we reviewed that trailer a couple months ago saying, we don't know for sure it's going to suck. I I think we've removed most of that doubt now after listening to her because it's like, inexperienced on a blue screen and this movie's got to clearly have a lot of that going on. Oh man, not a good, not a good look at all. Yeah. Uh, Tony, you follow up. When you put this in for the, uh, <clears throat> for the, for the uh, synopsis this week, um, I, I went back and watched uh, the trailer and it, that's what it looks like. Oh, exactly what you exactly what she said. And I, I give Patrick shit sometimes for calling himself out on the on the show just in a fun, joking way. You know, we like to, you know, have our fun personality interactions, and I think we do a good job, and that's why this show is so good. But in this scenario, this is not a case where you call yourself out. You just let other people figure it out. And the, you, she basically broke the glass for you. You know what I mean? And once that glass is broken, you can't put it back together. Right. It just... Regardless of how you how you felt about doing the performance um, and your discomfort, because it's it's a very real thing, right? To be like I I'm not used to this, I'm uncomfortable with it. It just seems very strange to me. It, and, and this happens all the time. Actors say things in their interviews, just like like, and it, sometimes it's sometimes it's stuff like this. Sometimes it's spoilers. Like they're t- um, shoot, what is it? Mark Ruffalo and. Um, Tom Holland, like, aren't allowed to do interviews without babysitters for Marvel stuff because they always give out spoilers. Go ahead, Tony. I cut you off. No, 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 no. You didn't. I was done, but I thought of a really good comparison of what this equates to is who is the, uh, is it Carissa Thompson, who was a sideline reporter, and now she's a studio host that said when she was sideline reporting, sometimes she didn't have time to talk to the coaches, so she'd make something up 
um, uh, that is pretty. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. And like she, she didn't have to say that. No one needed to know, right? And and she did anyway. And then she made that just look that much worse. I think in comparison, this is what we're talking about here. Just shut the fuck up. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure her publicist has talked to her about it now at this point, because that's that's usually where that's going to go. Uh, I I tried to de- like you talked about me defending the like or at least trying to defend the the Madam Web trailer. You know, yeah, I just I, I don't know that it, it no, it's it's not even that like I because I even when I defended it, it's not like I defended it that hard. It's not like I was like, oh, this is going to be good cinema. No, uh, you, did. you just but I I did. I did want us to be like, let's wait before we declare it the worst thing of all time. And, and then an actor says, I don't know if this is going to be any good. Uh, and, and I really I, I really didn't feel comfortable acting in front of nothing. Man, we're going to have a bad time, guys. Like, we're going to have a bad time. I don't plan on watching. No, I it's going to be still, like I never watched Morbius. So, no, like, I, I, you know, I, I can. It's going to be like, are, are, is anybody planning to watch Craven? I'm not. I don't care how good the trailers look and they haven't looked good. But it's just it, they just don't do it right. Sony doesn't do any of this stuff right in there. And they feel like really flimsy, obvious cash grabs that aren't grabbing anything other than negative reviews. So, it, right. It's 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 it'll, this goes actually kind of back to our uh, conversation two weeks ago when we were talking about intellectual properties and trademarks and keeping things going like that's at the end of the day. This has always been very, very clear with Sony with regards to Spider-Man and the character. And it's always been about Sony's interest in keeping that IP because they do recognize that there is monetary value in that intellectual property. And so doing everything they can to continue to produce content, and, and Tony knows all about finding good, uh, you know, wanting to put out content. Good would be important. Sony does not seem to think that through very well at least on the live action side, because we can't deny that they can't put out a good Spider-Man product because they're doing it with Miles Morales and the animated features, the the Spider-Verse features, like they can do it. But when they're not using Spider-Man because they they can't, and yet they're continuing to try to make tangential Spider-Man movies, like, and I don't know, does the problem go away if we if we put in Miles Morales? Like, I don't know. Can like, I, like, because I don't know that you trust that they can tell a good story. Yeah, because was, their last, their last Spider-Man outputs were bad. Like, Amazing Spider-Man Two is not a good movie, right. and it's not Andrew Garfield's fault. It's just no. not a good movie. Right, and that's why I was going to say I, I want to say it would really depend on who they cast for Miles Morales. But then you just brought me back to reality that Andrew Garfield wasn't the problem with those movies. It was the fact that they sucked and that they they right. tried to tell stories that don't fit the narrative you know the let's wedge the death of gwen stacy in the middle of this movie about electro why <laughs> what the fuck are we doing here and uh and you know y- you can't do that so while i think if if they got the right person in the role yes that would help but unless you learn how to tell a proper spider-man story in a live action sequence really what are we doing it's more about them finding someone to run that like a Feige or, or, or a gun or someone that like, like they would be better off to call Patrick O'Dowd and ask him to relinquish his responsibilities that he has right now of, of mentoring, uh, America's future and, and move into the role of being Spider-Man master. And I think he could do a better job than the rest of the idiots at Sony, to be honest with you. But 
that's what they need is someone like that. Maybe not necessarily one Patrick O'Dowd, but you know what I mean. Tony, are you saying we're America's future and Patrick is mentoring? Oh, you mean the kids? Never mind. I got the it. kids. I, got it. I, mean, I believe the children are our future. Treat them all. We like are the future. future. I know. My, all right. My wife watched Let's... that. I don't know if you guys watched. I did. I haven't watched it yet. Um, watch it. We can have a segment on it on this show, or you could, you guys could save it and do a whole musical chairs episode on it. It's really good about that. That's, but... that's, that's summer talk, man. That's summer talk. Um, just, okay. Just, let's, let, let's head into, content. I I know always looking for content. Let's go over to the DC universe. We got a confirmed from the man himself, James Gunn casting news. We have found our Supergirl, and it is a, Familiar face to at least one PC Tunny because House of Dragons Millie Alcock has been cast to play uh, Supergirl. She is playing Rainra, Rain, I can't pronounce her name, Targaryen, Renaria, Renera, Targaryen, whatever her name is, on House of Dragon. Um, Show on TV, no big deal. Patrick won't watch it. You know that, Tunny. She'll, I she'll be in. She'll be in Gunn's Superman Legacy, which is scheduled for release in 2025, before starring in her own movie, Supergirl: Woman of Tomorrow. Okay, I know nothing about this woman as an actress, so I'm going to have to turn to the two of you to talk to me about this. So I have not watched House of Dragon. I've heard good things. Yes, I have. I've just prioritized other shows over her. Um, and and I want to hear about her as an actress before we talk about some of the other names that were tossed around to possibly be cast in this role. So Dave, to you, my friend. Yeah. And Tony, jump in here because I know you and I have watched House of the Dragon. Um, casting, casting, casting is so important for what James Gunn is doing. I love this call. I think she's excellent. She was great as the young Renaria. I, now he's got me doing it, Tony. I can't pronounce it either. But um she was uh she was excellent as that younger before they make the time jump and i think she's perfect for this role because she's a tremendous act actor um she's very young she's going to grow into this role as they go along so she can grow with the dcu as it kind of matures and gets older i think i've seen some mock-ups of her tony i don't know if you saw some of these pictures of her in the supergirl outfit with the blonde hair she looks the part she really looks good in this um, I think she's got everything that you need to deliver on a performance that I think Gunn is looking for. Um, you know, with Gunn, you wonder, okay, how much of the comedic element is going to be brought in? Clearly, the role in House of the Dragon, there weren't that many comedic moments for her. I mean, the first few episodes, some, but as we got more serious, they kind of went away and then they did the time jump and she's gone. But I really like the casting. I think it's an excellent role. I think she's really going to excel in this and can add a, a lot to the Supergirl um, character. And I do, I, I like the fact that her age is something where she's going to be able to grow with this role. Cause if you're going to take eight to 10 years to tell this universe, you want somebody who's going to be able to grow and, and mature with the role as the, uh, as the story unfolds. So I love the, I love the casting, Tony. Everything Dave said. And my one thing I'll add to it is this is a young actress who where in casting a Supergirl or a Superman, you need someone that brings presence, and she brings it in spades. And you have literal proof from another outside of reality universe in House of the Dragon. Um, and you also bring along a bit of a fandom as well. 
you know, when, when you do that, a little crossover and, and that it, it might not be huge, but it's something you always take something, especially nowadays. So I think she succeeds in this immensely. Um, just, just because of what I've seen from her in house of the dragon. I mean, she carries herself in a way. And I think these words will ring hollow once you end up seeing her portray this character. Dave, just to kind of, um, piggyback off what you're asking in terms of comedic. I'm going to from James Gunn's own words in his description. Um, I don't think Gunn is, and Saffron. What's that? It's not going to be very comedic at all, is it? So, when first announcing that Supergirl was part of Gunn and Saffron's new vision for DC, the pair cited Tom King comics and explained how this version of the character is different from others we've seen on screen. Superman was sent to Earth and he was raised by incredibly loving parents, whereas Carol was in a piece of Krypton that drifted away from the planet and lived there for the first 14 years of her life, Gunn said. It was a horrible situation where she watched everybody around her die, and so she's a much harsher and more fucked up Supergirl. Um, In that respect, she's even better for the role. Yes. Yeah, the way she played the Targaryen. Yes. (laughs) God, dear James Gunn. Oh boy, Here I appreciate the. No, 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 no. Hear okay. me out. Hear me. Are you sure? All I'm right. okay with you going with a dark character. Please learn from the sins of previous DC films. I'm begging you. I'm begging you. I'm begging you. I'm begging you. And I'm not saying you can't have a character that's dark and fucked up and challenged and tragic. And I do believe the gun can do this right. If you want, we got another bleak DC character, though, for fuck's sakes, man. I think, this is what I think kills DC. I think you're going to get cold justice here. Uh, maybe. I hope so. I, I just don't. I don't want them to fall into the trap that DC has consistently fallen into since I, 1989. Uh, when they, listen, Dave and I are unbelievably familiar with that, and we just yeah. have to put our hopes and, and thoughts into this, but I think that you allow for the most character growth throughout her arc of what you're going to tell the story using her sure. start in that place. Gun needs to draw. I'm not trying to pick a fight here, fellas. No, I'm not trying to pick I'm a fight saying, here. Oh, this okay. is We're having fun. Gun needs to draw a balance between we, what you just described and the CW Supergirl, because those are the two extremes. And if he can find something in the middle of that, she's perfect for this role, and that's compelling storytelling. Because the CW Supergirl is, like, all-American. She's, she's, yeah, she's Americana all the way, and she's over the the top in the other direction as far as being um, overly optimistic to a fault. You know, and I mean, it it, it, it vacillates some places, but you want to see something in that, like, everything you're telling me, Pat... She's drifting around in space. Everyone around her dies. And, you know, it makes her a hard, possibly cynical. And she's going to come to Earth and see her cousin, Kal-El, worshipped by the entire fucking planet. That's not going to go over so well. I think that this character is the one thing James Cameron took. Or James Cameron. James Gunn. I apologize. I caught myself. Um, James Gunn took from Black Adam. And the portrayal there was excellent. And that hard, cold you know, character. You mean the flash, not blackout. Supergirl wasn't in blackout. The flash. I'm sorry. With, uh, the it's one amazing. Girl. I mean, they all blend the flash was so bad. I would have put it, I would have put her in a different movie. Wasn't too. there a, was it? Okay. My bad. There was no Supergirl in, in black Adam. There was just the rock, um, not getting beaten a fight at all. I, I, yeah, but it's just, there's so much going through my head right now. Sports entertainment, sports entertainment, church, radio. That's network. Fair. I mean, the other names that uh, 
Alcocker allegedly beat out. This is all rumored in you into Lockin' Keys actress Amelia Jones while we hated the show. Not really her fault. And Supergirl voice actress Meg Donnelly um, was the other one. I will say this. It's it's funny to me how many people were um, very, uh, very much more interesting in how you could uh, recast Meg Donnelly, Donnelly in the DC universe, but not a lot of stuff out there about, well, what can we do with Amelia Jones? I don't know what that means about Amelia. I thought she was a fine actress. I thought, much like one of the other shows that we ragged on, uh, it's kind of hard to get behind a show that's that poorly written, uh, at least in season three. Am I right, Tony? Yeah, season three can be a, a you know a ball buster. <laughs> it really was. It was really really bad. So um, we're seeing the DC vision of James Gunn and Peter Safran take shape here. Uh, love these casting news reports. Can't wait to see what's next in store. Uh, and we'll just have to wait with the rest of you. I, so, I'd all right. definitely like to see Amelia Jones somewhere in the DC. Who knows? Excuse I mean, me. there's pl- there's plenty of roles out there that, that can be cast. And we, we don't know what movies are coming next. So we'll just wait and see. All right. It'll be it'll be good. I'm excited. Only Net- we only know Netflix. Right. We, we have one. We have one frame of reference. All right. Let's let's move on. Shut up, Happy. Don't feel bad about me. I got my hand back, see? We've only just begun to live white lace and promises. A kiss for luck and we're on our way. That's right. This week, we also learned of the sudden sad passing of Carl Weathers at the age of 76. His family reported that he passed away peacefully in his sleep on Thursday, February 1st. Um, I caught it was funny. I I was like, oh, man, what role do I first think of when I think of, of Carl Weathers? And it's it's crazy to think that there are four that immediately have have impacted me in in some way, shape, or form in films I've watched because you've got Chubbs Peterson from Happy Gilmore that you just heard, Apollo Creed from the Rocky franchise. You have Grief Karga from most recently in The Mandalorian and Dylan from Predator. And I'm like, okay, gotta, gotta, I want to watch one of these films. And I was like, I love Predator which has given us one of the greatest memes of all time, the two hands clasping and the muscles flexing. So I jump on my streaming search service to see where Predator is streaming, Amazon to rent or buy. And I went, welp, welp, welp. But that does not change the fact. I I happen to own Happy Gilmore, so that is a fine second place. The price was wrong, bitch. Uh, You remember that alligator that took your hand? I got his head. Good stuff. Uh, also, totally worth watching. Uh, but also kind of sad. Su- sudden, I loved the character he played in Mandalorian. He was he was a wonderful character. Uh, it'll it'll be sad to see him written out of the movie because uh, I, I don't think they've started filming the uh, filming the film yet. Uh, but you know, Gerge Carter was going to be a part of that movie in some way, shape, or form. So it'll it'll be sad to see that we won't have that opportunity to kind of say goodbye in that way. But uh, 
a hell of an actor and not bad for a guy who who was a football player who who said let me let me give this a try and got to be you know a, a Muhammad Ali sort of character taking on Rocky Balboa before you know being an action star he's action Jackson I think he was action Jackson I think that was his character uh, he he was just so great he was just always he was always great in the roles that he played and sad day sad day uh, to lose Carl Weathers and so let's take a moment gentlemen. Tell us a little bit, something you love about Carl Weathers, whether it's a role, uh, where where you think of him most, anything like that. We'll start with that. We'll start with Dave, because Dave, you know, Dave watched Rocky in the theater on premiere night. What a bet. Uh, Rocky 2, for sure. I don't know about the first one. But uh, yeah, Carl Weathers. The Italian is, chicken. Yeah, the Italian chicken. The uh, He'll always be Apollo Creed to me more than anything else. And Rocky does not work without Apollo Creed. And, and I mean, you don't get that. You're absolutely right, Pat. The Muhammad Ali, uh, Apollo Creed is Muhammad Ali, you know, yes, that's, every, that's every way based on, and to have somebody that with that much charisma, that much confidence overconfident to a fault in the first movie and the second one as well, because he just thinks that Rocky's a, sh- a chump who has no business being in the ring with him. But, um, but the way that series then transitions from after Rocky beats him to become Rocky's trainer to help him get over the hump up to his uh, unfortunate demise in, in, in Rocky four, um, he'll always be Apollo Creed to me. And I always looked at him that way. And then, yeah, Chubbs comes along and you see this other side of Carl Weathers that this big golfing pro who is just hilarious in that movie. Um, yeah, the guy was, I, I dare say, very underrated. As an actor, I would say, you know, because we all love, we, we knew him, we love him, but I, I don't know if he gets the same recognition as somebody like a Sly or something like that. Um, and he should. So yeah, it's, it's a big loss and uh, rest in power, Carl. He's one of my favorites. I was really sad to see him. Tony. I think the amount of love shown by his peers that he's worked with and been surrounded by throughout his excellent career um and it is is a testament to who he was and how talented he was you never heard a bad word about him um and dave's right like he is so underratedly integral to rocky like it doesn't work with maybe one other two people on the planet and we don't even know who those people were at the time that could have done this um definitely he is muhammad ali it was based off of ali's fight against i can't remember the white boxer's name or was no, it Corey? Was it Wepner or Corey? No, it wasn't Corey. It was Wepner, I thought. Yeah, um, I'm not sure. But <clears throat> yeah, just. And then the great job he did on The Mandalorian. That's the one I couldn't remember when you said four, Patrick. I remembered Predator. I remembered Rocky. I remembered Happy Gilmore. And I just, it, you know, he, he seamlessly eliminated all those personas from our minds and was a character in The Mandalorian that we bought into again. Like his ability to suspend your disbelief of him diving into another character is it could be unmatched when you talk about those four characters. It's amazing. It covers such a broad scope as an actor. Uh, yeah, it was he was just fun. sorry. I, I'm sitting there and all I'm thinking of are, are one liners from Happy Gilmore at this point. You know, they wouldn't let me play on the floor tour anymore. Oh, I'm sorry because you were black. No, damn alligator bit my hand off. Oh my god. I actually uh I actually have a post photo with Chubb Peterson's hand that uh, that uh, Chubb Peterson's uh, prop hand was uh, passed around from subway to subway. And you could photo op with it at the different subway stops in Maine. And it was at my local subway. 
So I have a photo somewhere of me shaking Chubb Peterson's hand. Happy Gilmore, by the way, available on Peacock if you want to check out that fine piece of comedy. Uh, let's see. While I'm wa- while I'm ra- where to stream everywhere. Let's see if Rocky is streaming anywhere. It is streaming on Max. on Max. Yeah, they've had they've been showing you can all the stream Rocky it stuff. on Max. Um, but most unfortunately, or most most importantly, Action Jackson not free to stream anywhere. Damn it. Three ninety nine though to yeah yeah we just said some by the way great eighties schlock from Carl Weathers but uh, regardless yeah Hollywood lost a good one uh, sad to see that he went down that you know like, I was glad to hear that it was something like it wasn't prolonged and tragic so many of these actors that we've been hearing about lately you know battling illness cancer horrible things like this you know he passed away peacefully in his sleep and um, so you know we'll sad that he's gone. The world is a little less for it. Raise your glasses. Happy trails, Carl Weathers. Remember, kids, you can't putt when you're angry. It's true. And it's all in the hips. It's all in the hips. Tony's like, I'm putt angry. angry all the time. Yeah. I'm angry the whole fucking round, Dave. Anyway, let's head into our final segment of the day, and that is what you watching, Dave. What you watching? Nothing. I'm watching my computer screen. That's all I get to watch most of the time because... It's all about work. Bad for you. I, it is bad for me. I, it, it is. Uh, like I said, I am watching that Adam Eve prequel for Invincible. That's really good and very interesting. Um, Fire up Peacock and watch Happy Gilmore tonight. That's what you should do. Yeah. You know what? You are absolutely right. So not a bad idea, man. Sorry, I got to go back to this. One more thing. Um, if you haven't watched Stallone's video uh, talking about Carl Weathers, go watch Stallone's video it's, about Carl Weathers. That one was, thing uh, I was going to say, it, it is cool that they reconcile because I know they did have a bit of a falling out yeah. with Rocky Balboa because somehow he wanted to be, even though Apollo's dead, it's like, wait, how are we going to get you in this movie? And he's going to be, he's going to be Chubbs Peterson from heaven. That might've worked, but uh, I'm glad to see that Sly and him got reconciled and Sly's message was, yeah, that was um, heartbreaking. Uh, a great tribute to his friend. True. So, Dave's not watching anything. Tony, what are you watching, buddy? <clears throat> I, I got a I got a trifecta for you, um, and I'm going to cover right. three different genres. All right. Uh, I put in the chat last night. Yesterday, I watched The Hill, um, a great movie with Dennis Quaid. Uh, it's about he's a he plays a pastor with a son who has spinal problems and needs to wear leg braces. And throughout all this, young Ricky Hill finds his way. Uh, to to the minor leagues and and in his pursuit to become a, a baseball player and it's really a great family story and a story of faith regardless of what your faith is um, it, it's just a really good watch so that's something to check out the other thing is Netflix first ever live series is it Yoon or Yen Stephen Yoon or Yen I've always pronounced it Yen but I've been wrong before so I'm not sure. But Stephen and Rashida Jones are the first ever guests, and there's already two episodes out. It's live every Tuesday on Netflix. It's their first ever live broadcast show, and they're looking to do more of it. Dinner time live with David Chang, and it's excellent. It's like an hour of him having two guests. The second week is Eliza Scherzinger and the ball guy from the league. I can't remember his name. Um, And it's just fun. It's a fun hour, whether you tune in live or not. And you're a fan of food shows. It's really good. David Chang is awesome. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner uh, is excellent on Netflix if you've never seen that. And there's some other things as well. And lastly, I have been playing Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League, as has DPP. And I was hoping he'd be here. And maybe the next time he's here, he'll give you a better synopsis of what it is, definitely, than I can. 
as someone who doesn't play these games a lot, I am enjoying the hell out of it. The beginning is like an intro to the characters. There's four of them. There's King Shark, there's Boomerang, there's Harley, and there's Deadshot. And initially they, tr- they, they switch characters and you have to get each of them to a specific spot. And then you learn how to play the game and acquiring different things. And then eventually you start your storyline, which starts at the Batman Museum. And Batman's gone rogue. And, and so has the rest of the Justice League, except for Flash, my guy, which I love. And the best thing about it for me is I believe you can play multiplayer and invite someone in on the multiplayer parts. Or if you need to in different scenarios where you're trying to solve a puzzle or get move on forward, you switch characters whenever you want out of the four of them, which is really, really, really fun. Not to mention the cutscenes look amazing and there's some good storyline going on and comedy in there as well. So uh, anything bad that was said about this game, I, I don't get it. I've enjoyed the hell out of it and I know DPP has as well. That's what I'm watching and cool. playing. I, I'm sorry I took a little too much time. Oh, yeah, a lot of people, I like reviews have been rough on that, at least initially. So, um, you know, good to hear uh, an opinion from somebody who's actually played the game. I watched, uh, binge watched very, very quickly all five episodes of Masters of the Universe Revolution, uh, the sequel series to Revelation. Uh, I liked it, not as much as Revelation. It's Revelation was was 10 episodes it was two five-parters uh revolution seems like it was only five episodes period and it kind of felt that way felt a little short felt a little rushed but overall enjoyed the series uh and look forward they they are definitely teasing out uh the arrival of adora slash shira to the series amongst others sorry spoiler alert uh but it's five episodes it's a quick watch uh because they are 30 minute episodes like it's it's like watching a saturday morning cartoon so you can wrap that up in an afternoon. It's pretty good stuff. Um, that was the big thing. Kaiju Sunday with a little O'Dowd continued with one of the worst Godzilla movies we've ever watched uh, today. It was uh, Godzilla versus Ghidorah. It was awful. It's awful. Uh, and it was one of the first ones that we've watched where Max did not allow you to watch the original Japanese with subtitles, which, guys, it makes a difference because the voice over the voiceover acting is so terrible that you know because they've got grown adults trying to do children voices like it's just bad <laughs> uh, but it was one of those that we enjoyed watching and making fun of godzilla versus Ghidorah is famous for or maybe even infamous for the godzilla dropkick for those who know you know for those who don't know look it up godzilla dropkick it's something special uh and what else? Oh, Quantum Leap came back. So I started watching the second half of season two of Quantum Leap, as well as the uh, the second season of Night Court, which has uh, been less good than the first season. They made some casting changes, took out a key kind of key storyline point and just never acknowledged that the character was gone. They were just gone. And which is what sitcoms do. I know the show itself is still getting good ratings strong enough that they're putting other shows behind it to blend it. Uh, but it is going through a little bit of a sophomore slump in my opinion. Uh, but that's what I've been watching. So, all right, folks, hour and a half bandwagoners, a little bit of tight. The Grammys are on tonight. Might check out the Grammys, learn about an artist I've never heard of, fall in love with them for like five minutes and then make Dave talk about it, uh, this summer when we do, uh, musical chairs, it'll be great. Uh, but other than that, we'll we'll have to see what's up. Remember, we'll have a little bit of a surprise for you as to where we're going with next week's episode. 
Uh, before we get out of here, fellas, why don't we do a quick once around? Tell everybody where they can find you on the socials and on the Chair Shot Radio Network. This week, we will go to my lower right with PC Tunney. I would just say continue to listen to everything Chair Shot Radio Network. You're here right now listening to the entertainment side. We also have a sports side and, of course, a wrestling side. And that one's kind of blowing up right now. So the chairshot.com, prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot and chair shot radio network on all of your favorite streaming platforms. David Ungar. Oh, you can find me on the platform we affectionately call Twix at Attitude Ag. That is at Attitude A-G-G. Uh, Facebook.com slash Attitude of Aggression. Instagram and threads at Attitude of Aggression, all one word. And getting back to normal. If you have hate tweets and you hate what we have said today, send your tweets to at it's me DPP. Why, Tony? Yeah, fuck that guy. He should have been here today. Exactly. You know what? I think he's ducking me. He I'm gonna of, let him he know. He kind of admit, admitted let that. Let him know. So, yeah. Next week we'll ring the fucking bell. You guys go at it. It's gonna be great. People are gonna eat that shit up. Ding, ding. To quote Apollo Creed. Oh, I see what you did there. Look at that. Look at that. We have we have just dropped all of the Carl Weathers quotes. Uh, you can, of course, find me on the social medias at Wrestling Realist. That is at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. That's X Twitter. That's Threads. That's Instagram. I'm there. I sort of post on Instagram, but not really. Really follow me on X Twitter. That's that's my game. Uh, make sure you follow the show at Bandwagon Nerds also on the Twitter. Maybe this week's poll is your favorite Carl Weathers movie or Carl Weathers role. That sounds like a good poll. Uh, Dave, do that. You're our social media manager. I'm um, on it. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I love that. Dave just I rolled with Patrick's... it. Tony's like, what the fuck are you talking about? No, no, no. I got, no, no, no. I got a new nickname for Patrick. He's not only the number one chair shot villain. He can continue that. Patrick O'Dowd, the delegator. <laughs> I, you know, I, I work in a supervisory capacity, so it's what I do. That's a secret. Really, really Delegation well. of authority, right? So be on the lookout for that poll and tell us who you think or what role you think was the greatest Carl Weathers role coming soon on the bandwagon nerds, Twitter feed, X Twitter. feed. Uh, we'll get it up. It'll be plenty of time. All right. That's going to do it for this week's edition of bandwagon nerds. Thank you everyone for listening. Now get yourself out of the basement, get some sun and watch a Carl Weathers flick. There's tons of good ones out there. He's a hell of an actor and he deserves to be loved. You have been listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the ChairShot Radio Network, part of the ChairShot.com.
I know, but this is extremely crazy. Yeah, it's mentally irregular, right? Yeah. But it makes all the sense in the world. Huh? You owe me a favor. I know, but uh, what'd you think of this? About three years ago. Oh, it's a very crazy ball. Look, Stallion. Now look, when you run that last fight, you won by one second, you beat me by one second, one second. That's very hard for a man of my intelligence to handle. Oh, is it? But didn't you say after I beat you, you learned how to live with it? I lied. Oh, you lied. <laughs> oh, oh, so now you just got to prove it to yourself, just right? Just myself. No TV, no newspapers, just you and me. Nothing, just you and me. Uh, Asian for beauty. Anything you say, Stanley. Uh, I, I do all the work, all okay. Right. <laughs> I'll tell you, Bob, you better go slow because you ain't as young as springtime no more. I'm still young enough to whip your butt, Stallion. Oh, yeah? Well, how are you going to do that? You taught me everything you know. Almost everything. You got to remember now. You fight great, but I'm a great fighter. Huh? You ready? Oh, absolutely. All right. You know, Stallion, it's too bad we got to get over, huh? <laughs> uh, just keep punching, Apollo. Want to ring the bell? All right. Ding, ding. Come on, Stan. Come on, come on. Boy, you really move good for an older guy. Oh, you're looking good, Stan. I taught you well. I think you taught me too good. Look at him fly. Look out now. No, no, you don't want any of this. Come on, come on. Maybe I'll in here with the wrong guy. Come on, watch yourself. Ready? <laughs> 